Welcome back to the Leo Weekly Podcast. I'm Sid Bishop. We're here for 99 Bottles, a deep dive into one beer from one local brewery. This week, we're here with Nicholas Landers, the head brewer and yeast wrangler at Gordon Beer Louisville. Today, we're going to talk about the Summer Brow Kolsch on tap now. Uh, so, Nicholas, uh, what can you tell us about the Summer Brow uh, Kolsch? Uh, hello. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, Summer Brow Kolsch, it is a, a beer we do as a company-wide uh, beer every, uh, basically, we're Gordon Beersch, we're a company of brew pubs, and every brew pub has their brewer. Brew everything on site, and then everything's served on site. Now, the Kolsch, it's a specific beer mainly because of the yeast and how it's fermented. And we as a company have a proprietary yeast uh, that White Labs holds for us all year. And then uh, basically a few months ago, all of us call in our orders, gives them plenty of time to prop up enough and send out to everybody. And it's a, it's a light beer. It's only, ours is 4.4%. And that's pretty standard for the style. You won't see many Kolsch's much higher than that. Uh, but it's a clean, filtered out beer. Very nice. I've actually uh, once made a mistake. I think it was my second year I was working there where I used the wrong filter paper. And there's a little bit of wheat in the actual process. It's about 15 to 20% wheat. And the little wheat proteins got through, and so it was a cloudy Kolsch, a vice Kolsch, if you will. It was yeah. tasted the exact same, just didn't look quite as pretty. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's delicious. I've got one right here, and I can definitely taste the wheat in it. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the the yeast? You said it's proprietary. What What yeah. is proprietary uh, Basically, mean? it's uh, White Labs holds on to it because they, they're basically this big company that gives that has yeast for brewers. But they always hold on to a culture of it. And uh, when the call goes out, they'll start uh, propagating a lot of it to send out. But it's really only for uh, Gordon Beersch Brewers and actually Rock Bottom Brewers and a couple other brewers because we're all actually under one big company now. Gotcha. So if they want some, they could get some too. Oh, that's rad. So it's, it's cultivated in a lab. That's what yeah. you're saying? Yes. Yeah, just would have never thought about that. Well, it's, they feel like it all comes in the same They actually do make beer. That There's a little saying, you can't make yeast without making beer and you can't make beer without making yeast. Yeah. Um, what, so what, and what's the filtration process like? Cause you well, kind of touched on that a couple of times already. Yeah. Well, uh, we, uh, just use a, what's called a plate and frame filter where it's basically a uh, large filter sheets. They're made out of paper essentially, okay. but you can have different grades to them. Some are a little thicker than others. Like, uh, what you're usually trying to do is just get out the, um, the yeast okay. and any other large particulates. But since this does have some wheat in there, the wheat proteins are really fine. So you have to use the more, uh, the tighter filter paper, if you will. Gotcha. So, I mean, again, that's just a process that I would have never thought about either. It almost sounds like a coffee filters or something. You're, you want certain things to get through, but certain things not to. So I that's, wouldn't have thought one of the things in beer like is, uh, we're basically filtering things out many multiple times. Like the whole lottery <laughs> process is, you know, when you're taking the ward out and you're taking it off the spent, the grains itself, that's basically a filter process as well. And yeah, there's as brewers, we're just trying to make it clear all the time. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, so it seems like Kolsch's have become increasingly uh, popular style among American craft breweries. Um, why do you think that is? I mean, to what would you attribute that? Well, it's, uh, it's, well first of all, it's just delicious. Um, but it's, I think, uh, you know, American craft breweries right now, you're just seeing everybody want to come out with, with new stuff. But at the same time, old stuff you don't quite see as often. 
Yeah. And Kolsch is one of those. It's a very specific type of beer, specific type of uh, fermentation process, things like that. So it's just one of those more more fun little styles that you can come up with and just add to your repertoire and your, you know, what you have on tap at your place. And it's a great summertime beer. What, so what's the fermentation process like unique to a Kolsch? And, and more specifically, is there one that's unique to this? Well, it's basically the Kolsch is almost like a hybrid style beer. Okay. It's, it's not fermented quite as warm as an ale. Technically, it's called an ale, but it's okay. not fermented quite as warm as an ale. It's actually fermented at a lower temperature, not quite as cold as you ferment a lager, but a little, little lower. And what that does, basically, when you're doing the temperature thing with the yeast, you're controlling the yeast metabolism. And at lower temperatures, the yeast doesn't give off nearly as many like weird flavors, some of the fruity flavors you might get from ales. This one, you've, we all smell and taste some. You, could, uh, you can kind of see that there is some of that kind of little fruity aftertaste bits yeah. on the end. That's just the Absolutely, yeast character. Yeah. But it, may, it wouldn't be quite as much as, say, if you, it was just a gold nail that yeah. you might get someplace. No, it's a, it's a very mild citrus. I do pick that up. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a hint at the very edge. It's, so it's not quite like a lager or a pilsner in that way. I, yeah, it wouldn't I, be I quite as clean as your lager beers, yeah. yeah and we do actually kind of lager it for a little couple weeks, too, let everything try to fall out. What does that mean? What does uh, lagering it mean? Literally, it means to store. Oh, okay. But uh, essentially what you do is it's called crashing your tank, where after everything's done, you got all your fermentation done, all like post-fermentation everything, and you just turn your fermenter down to just above freezing, and what that does is it helps any particulates kind of fall out, and the yeast will fall out as well. And, you know, fermenters have the big cones, and so from those cones, we can dump yeast off the bottom. Oh, man. Yeah. That's fucking crazy when you think about it, because uh, lagers are like America's beer, so to speak. Um, uh, the, log- the world is I a mean, lager world, yeah. Yeah, but refrigeration is a relatively modern conceit, and lagers yes. are not. So that's, it's yeah, just crazy to think about cellared. how somebody had to do it, you know? Yeah, everything used to, that's why uh, everything used to be so. I think in Germany, uh, when they're really the lagers or beers are starting to come up a few centuries ago, in Munich, they were not allowed to brew beer during the summertime. Oh yeah, because it was too makes hot. Makes sense. Yeah, and the uh, yeast would get too hot. Yeah, that so makes a lot of during sense. During the winter time, mm-hmm. the more you know, Rainbow. <laughs> um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about. So, as a brewer for a chain, how do you put your own touch? How do you how do you make it personal? How do you inject your own personality into the? Well, one of the uh, first places I worked at was a little place called well, I was intern, aka Brewer's Bitch. <laughs> a place called Flossmore Station, Southside Chicago. And I was working with a brewer there, Brian Shimkos, who said, as long as you take care of your A, Bs, and Cs, then you can do your D, Es, and Fs. Oh, right on. So as a chain, we do have, like, styles that are chain-wide. Like, right now, everyone brewed up Kolsch. Uh, we, but we have other stuff, like Export Meritons and stuff. But once you take care of that, then you have extra tanks, and you can make other beers. Like, right now, I got a bunch of Belgian beers and stuff that I'm the only guy in the company that brewed. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So there's always some differences. Is there any way, so when you have your ABC, so this is a company-wide release, do you have any, um, obviously you've got a recipe that you're pulling from. Can you, once you've colored in those lines, can you do anything to make it your own? Basically what you have to do is uh, figure out how your system works and what you need to do to change anything to make sure you get the consistency that they're looking for with your system because every brew system is a little different. That's yeah. And so that's kind of what, like what we do is at least in the company sense for our, for our specific places is the brewer has to figure out what do they have to do? 
what sort of efficiency is their brew house, things like that, so they get what you know what the company actually wants. Right. Is it hard to do that? Uh, it, you get used to it after a while. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you experiment every once in a while, but you, after a couple of years, you figure out what what happens. Yeah. Well, kind of on the the note of your Belgians, like I said, I don't want to go too far off the mm-hmm. uh, conversation about the Kolsch, but do you have an opportunity very often to contribute those ideas outside of that? Uh, what do you mean exactly? Can like you, you made a Belgian. Do you yeah. get to say, hey, uh, Bruce Gordon Biersch or whoever is the owner of the company, I've made this this type of beer. Well, yeah, think? there's things like uh, beer festivals and things. You can get them out there, and there's national ones like Great American Beer Fest, things like that. And right now, actually, they're looking for entries and stuff, and I'm not sure. Like, I haven't really thought about it yet, but uh, I don't know if I got some weird beer that basically I just made myself. I could send that out there, too. And circling back to the Kolsch, if you came up with a really just a dope idea that you were like, hey, our base Kolsch is already amazing. What if I made a secondary batch of it that includes Well, last else? year I basically used the yeast to make an alt beer, oh, which cool. is a very similar northern German style. No. It's dark normally, sure. right? Yeah, it's it basically like uh, if you're like up there near Cologne and stuff, they'd hate you for saying anything like that because they're very particular about their styles. Sure. But they are very similar, and I just use the same yeast and head. It's very similar like process in that it's a ale but you still ferment it a little colder i gotcha and things like that and i actually sent an alt beer i think out last year to gabf so there are there is a little bit of room that you can go back in and experiment oh, yeah. especially once you've already done the requirements to say like hey i want to build on this and it, oh, yeah. it sounds like you're in a as long as you're not environment doing that something your weird like yeah. you know making ch- like 15 barrels of chili beer or something <laughs> right yeah the, <laughs> yeah um, so I do, and I do have some questions about just Kolsch's in general. So I've always associated Kolsch's, loggers, and Pilsners as incredibly comparable. They they all seem, they all seemed, I should say, the same to me until the last couple of years. They're all like lawnmower beers to me. You know, it's what you drink after you cut the grass. But I know better than that. What's how would you distinguish well, part the of that? Difference? Could be just your. Uh how your tastes have evolved too that no you know i taste more else. wheat character well you know what else this, you're looking yeah. for it like you know maybe five years ago you didn't quite realize like you know what those little subtleties of flavor were too that could be part of it but uh, that's and that's a lot of it too i think is just as people drink more styles of beer they're they're just learning more about you know what the different characteristics of each style are what, so how would you define a Kolsch in comparison to a lager or a Pilsner? I understand uh, there's a yeah. lagering process. Involved. Well, it's, you have different types of hop schedules as well, and that's like different bittering components. Um, like, uh, like a Czech Pilsner, when I make a Czech Pilsner, I put in like loads of hops at the beginning, so it gives a really nice bitter kick to it. Right. You know, this Kolsch doesn't have quite a bitter kick. There's actually nope. a lot of hops in there, but the hops are very low alpha acid, so it's not really too bitter but and honestly you can't really taste much hops in there anyway no but really there's can't. still i still put in a like seven and a half pounds of hops for a wow. seven barrel batch which is a lot for, is the cleaning process on that difficult or is uh, that, does that all there's a lot of trub and stuff like yeah yeah it takes a while to spray out the brew kettle yes <laughs> what's what's the so in general i mean how would you rank the summer brow in comparison to other beers in terms of just the cleaning the after effects because i know cleaning is the majority of, of your yeah, work. each beer is a little different and like just what you're the process and what you have to clean like ipas they're actually 
easy in the sense that they're unfiltered and they're easy to move around, but then you also have like a bunch of hop trub everywhere that you got to clean up. And yeah, yeah, that could be a difference as opposed to, you know, like, uh, like our exporter, this guy actually, uh, the yeast itself, um, can kind of flock out pretty well, but at the same time you got to filter it. So then there's a whole filtering process and that's a whole different cleaning process as well. Um, but it's, each, it's basically the same between most beers. It's just more of uh, just little things like, you know, the hop trub. Like, most of these hops went in into the kettle, so you're going to have a lot of hops in that kettle that you got to spray out. And yeah. They can kind of coagulate and take a little longer to clean everything out. Is there anything you can do with that stuff when you're done? Uh, well, the trub stuff, not really. Um, but, like, spent grains, we actually have farmers come pick up. Right. And they'll feed them to uh, their cows, and cows love the stuff. I've had people sure. come and pick like it up for composting too. and things like that. Well, I just didn't know, you know, I was going to, again, try to circle it back to the summerbrow. Like, in specific, I didn't know if leftovers were better or worse from different things. Like, if somebody's like, my cow is only porter-fed. <laughs> Um, or whatever, you know, like, I don't think the farmers care too much as long as they're getting free food. Yet. Just wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, so about, it's actually, you know, about that, um, we've already talked about yeast and we've talked about filtration. Um, do you all use, uh, grains, hops? I mean, are they locally, uh, uh no, we, you're not really, uh, this isn't really a, uh, hop or barley growing region here. No. In Kentucky, like most of most of those things are much further north. Yeah, like a lot of well, our, we get environment malts out of Germany okay. uh, for most of our malting, but most of the malting done in North America is up in the like the Dakotas, Montana, Southern Canada. And most of the hops grown are like Idaho, Washington. You're starting to see it pop up again in like places like Michigan, Wisconsin. I know there's people around here trying to grow hops. Uh, best of luck to them. I'm not sure how it will go, but it will right. be interesting. So it's a, it sounds like it's better for colder uh, places it's, that are a little have a little bit more of a colder climate. It, it's really more has to do with latitude. Okay. With the way like the amount of sunlight it gets at times. Oh, mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah, that's why like it's you basically got hop growing regions in the northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere. So from my perspective, and and I'd mentioned this, I said you know to me like a Kolsch or a lager or a pilsner, that's what you drink to refresh yourself in the summer. It's hot. Out, it's, it's disgusting. It's hot. Like it's balls hot plus, out yeah. right now. And if I went home and I had to do yard work, this is definitely what I would grab. Um, but to you, what makes a good summer beer and why? I mean, this is your opportunity to plug. Well, this, yeah, it's, well, you, know. you drink what you want to drink, but, uh, this is the beer I call the most quaffable beer that we make. It's just so easy drinking. And it's the only other ones 4. aren't 4%. easy to drink. What's that? The say? other ones aren't easy to drink. Not nearly as easy as this one. This is the most easily quaffable, I'll say. But yeah, it's just so easy. It's it's light. It's only four point four. Yeah. I think color wise, it's the lightest in color of all the beers we make too. It's even lighter than our like pilsner and exports and stuff like that. Really? That's wild. Mm-hmm. Why? What's where does the coloring come I, from? It's on this mainly beer? just the malt, but I think it's because it's about sixteen to fifteen percent wheat. And that really lightens it up a lot. Just oh, the right. wheat doesn't have quite as much color as barley malt. Does it? I mean, I didn't know if it had anything to do with the love that you put into the batch or anything. <laughs> I don't think so. No. Okay. <laughs> um, so is there, is there anything that makes this, a, this one in particular a summer brew? But that was my start question. But the yeah. follow-up would be, and what would you pair this with? Uh, pair, well, most light beers, uh, 
you would pair with like lighter things like seafood. I think would go really well. Okay. Some of these. Like if you, you know, if you're out on a beach and you're eating some oysters, grab a colch. Yeah. It'd be a good uh, blend right there. I like the beach and the colch part a yeah, lot. It actually yeah. sounds great right now <laughs> with the weather we have. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's usually like when you're pairing, you usually try to go like with like. It's just being a very lighter beer. Uh, just lighter foods usually go well with it too. Um, I'm not a chef, but uh, well, like do the food. Like yeah, like, I mean, you work in a uh, a brewery that also we have done some food pairings and stuff. I didn't yeah, know if there yeah. was any kind of pairing aspects to that. I think they actually did come out with like a pairing thing, but I didn't have a chance to read it today. Like we just we You're just, just in there to make today. the beer. I was man. brewing all day. I was brewing <laughs> yeah. up a half of ice, and today I didn't have a chance. Well, right on. Well, so how long do you think this will be on tap? I mean, it it's it's, I moved down about ten and a half barrels, okay. and. Uh, I think we will probably go through at least a barrel, barrel and a half a week. So I'm taking at least two months. Okay, Should right on. So, right, so we'll right through the hot the period. Hot, exactly, yeah. through the hottest time of the year. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's great. Well, well, thank you for coming on the podcast today and telling us all about this beer. And um, we really appreciate that. All right, so, no problem. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.